We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day Seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge, the answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 517. Scott, I think we've officially entered the dog days of spring training. There's the dog days of summer. Maybe that's like mid-August of, of the regular season, but this is the dog days of spring training. Hey, man, I like seeing uh, some of these guys getting to go and playing well. Gary Sanchez swinging the bat. This is where we get to the time where we start getting very excited, probably too excited over players that are doing well. And this is one of oh, those... Oh, you mean like, 12 at-bats is not something we should be overreacting No, this is to. one of those culmination periods of, of um, overreacting to spring training. This is around the time when you started festering the idea of like Greg Bird MVP uh, thoughts in your brain. So well, it's a dangerous time. It's I, I wouldn't call it the dog days yet because I think towards the end of March, like the last two weeks is really like, okay, here we go. Let's get into the, I'm ready. We've seen enough. Let's go. Let's, let's get into the games. But now is when you start getting those thoughts in your brain about mm, maybe, maybe this guy actually will do, maybe this guy is in the best shape of his life and is ready to go. Well, spring training has a weird sort of, uh, rhythm and schedule to it because everyone arrives and that's always exciting. You get the pictures of the guys walking up into the clubhouse with their new sneakers, figuring out, okay, oh, look, Aaron Judge had his teeth done. Wow, that's cool. Everyone does their media days and stuff. And then there's workouts, grown men in shorts, throwing baseballs, beautiful. Then the first game happens and everyone loves it. And then there's always that like 10 day period where someone like Derek Dietrich hits four home runs off of a guy working on his fastball and everyone thinks he's going to be the next Babe Ruth. Right. Okay, so that's where we are now. And then I think we're about to enter the dog days where there's this period really where no one, like all of the guys who know they're going to be on the roster, they're still not kicking it into high gear. That doesn't happen until like the last five or six games games of spring training when they start to play almost a full game to get into game shape. 
So we've normally gone to spring training, I think, what do we go, four years in a row, right around the middle of March? Yeah, we... Do you realize we're a year? Yes, I do. It's the We're coming up on a year the, of the 14th. The t- when we had to cancel spring training. Like, we had our, our whole spring training trip last year planned with... Um, we had a house. We had sponsors. We had an after party. We had all this stuff. We had 200 planned. people going and, and uh, purchase tickets for the bullpen club. Yep. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. March, it was March 13th, 14th weekend. Uh, all of us, we had our flights booked. And then I, I, I honestly can vividly picture us doing that podcast after you, we each canceled our flights. And we were like, okay, I mean, yeah, maybe two, three week delay, but we'll be back. <laughs> a year. A year has gone by. Yeah, it's pretty the crazy. Blink some of people, an eye I mean, some people were already in Tampa. Some people were in the air. Some people, it was just a, it was an unfortunate. I remember, you know, as soon as uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive for the, at the Utah Jazz, the NBA started shutting coughing it down. all over and everybody. Then, yeah, as soon as the NBA shut it down, it was a trickle down effect, and MLB uh, did it. But yeah, it was uh, it was going to be a really fun weekend. We were going to be we were going to be smashing apples in a batting cage at a bar too. Like that was going to be a lot of fun. So um, shout out to uh, to to Savage Apple Rum. That would have been uh, probably the bane of my existence at the end of the weekend. But Sailor Jerry's. The um, yeah, I was gonna have to figure out a way to fake drink rum. <laughs> I was that was like the thing I was most worried about is having to drink rum. Yeah, that's pretty funny. The it was gonna be a lot of fun. And now they're I'm, I'm look. I'm glad they're getting people back in the stands. I'm glad they're that that's starting to uh, get back. Some people are watching spring training live and in person. That's awesome. Um, tough to plan events around that, but uh, yeah, here we are. Here we are. But I, I love this. I do like this part of spring training because. You start to see, like you said, there are guys getting their reps in. They're, you know, they're getting probably bloated results on uh, pitchers working on fastballs or or just working on one yeah. pitch in a zone, and they know that. And getting their mechanics, yeah, right. getting their mechanics right. And uh, so you see some offensive numbers being put up. But I like that because what it does is it gives people the ability to get some confidence, get a little momentum going, so you can start to, uh, you know, put that put those thoughts in other people's heads that maybe there should be a position battle. Maybe this guy can play shortstop. Maybe there isn't just one clear roster decision to be made because that's what it seems to be right now. Jay Bruce and and, and whomever else is going to be on that roster, uh, first base outfield seems like the uh, the one of the one of the big debate spots. But other than that, I love it, man. I, I love I love seeing these guys uh, flex a little bit, especially the guys that don't normally flex. For the Yankees, you've got maybe one bench spot that's in question, and you've got the fifth rotation spot. In question, although I think that seems like it's going to be Domingo Herman to start the season, and you've got the last couple arms in the bullpen, and none of those are sexy positions to talk about. That's all just kind of filling out a roster. That's that's not make or break World Series stuff. We we kind of treat it like that as Yankees fans, but when twenty three out of the twenty six roster spots are predetermined. It's kind of like, okay, well, what are we talking about here? Well, I think there's a real big impact, actually, when you look at Jay Bruce and the potential that he could be. I mean, everybody, we talked about this when he got signed, but in our in our brains, I feel like, at least in my brain, he was 35, 36, 37 years old. Like, dude's been around forever. I feel like his body has changed quite a bit. Like, you know, he was this like lean dude in Cincinnati. He got a little, little, little heavier over the years, become more of that home run hitter. But he's only 33 years old. You know, I do think that he's got you know, a lot left in the tank and he could be an impact bat for the Yankees given situations. I mean, to me, one of the biggest reasons why they need a lefty bat is to go up against those, those tough righties when you're facing a good team, probably at the end of the year, definitely in a playoff situation. So if he's a guy that can make the team and then, you know, build into a platoon role in at first base slash DH slash corner outfield, then there could be some serious value with a guy like that who's who's you know going and and into that role and and doing it well towards the end of the season and into the playoffs because that lefty impact bat against tough right-handed pitching is definitely something the Yankees do not have. So I think that 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 guy could actually help this Yankees team get over the the hump in the playoffs with um you know against some of these tough righty pitching because that's been a problem. Their offense has been stagnant well, late late in the year. Is that is that uh, could that spot be filled by Derek Dietrich because he's quickly become a fan favorite after a couple of big moments in early spring. Yeah. He's fun, man. It's just like, he, there's, there's, it's tough to find a, a real spot for him um, on the team. If he played shortstop he's position, he's position. If he played shortstop he, or could, you know, man a position in the infield relatively well, 
then we'd be talking about somebody who might be competing for that. But right now, there's really only one other guy that could play short. I want to know who Tyler Wade has pictures on for them to not bring in another guy capable of playing shortstop other than Tyler Wade. <laughs> Just to at least give him like some competition. Because this is like a running joke for four years now. It's like, well, can Tyler Wade be a be an impact guy off the bench as far as pinch running and speed and stealing bases and playing good defense? It's like, no, he can't. We've tried it. He can't. Why, nobody ever listens to me. I swear to God. All, all, all we have to do, though, I mean, who do you want them to bring in? A Brendan Ryan type? Because if we just look at Tyler Wade as a Brendan Ryan type and stop acting like he can play offense, then everybody will be just fine. And he'll be a fine That's not player the point. on the team. The point is... The point is that it's Tyler Wade's job and the fact that there's no one there to even compete with Tyler Wade. Derek Dietrich is not competing with Tyler Wade for the very reason you just said. He can't play shortstop. Right. But, so that's the thing. Like, what are we doing then? Are we going to bring in a defensive-minded shortstop? Because you're not going to bring in an offensive-minded shortstop to play the, 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 the backup role. And you're not going to get much better at defense than Tyler Wade. And I think that's, what's, that's why he's here. Everybody's talking about Tyler Wade has to do with his offense and how bad he is on the offensive side. Who cares? I've said this for so long. I don't care. He's the last guy on the bench. He's a defensive replacement. He's a, a a guy who can steal bases and run the bases late in the game. He's a guy who should be able to lay down a bunt if need be. I don't care if he can hit. I just don't. That's not his role on this team. His role is to play defense no. and run the right. bases. Okay, I think you're missing my point. There's this conversation, and it's been happening on the the BP chat on Facebook. Everyone's like, whoa, why not just pick Derek Dietrich over Tyler Wade? Because, And, and I got to give a shout out to Ryan Garcia on BronxPinstripes.com. He wrote a, an interesting article about Derek Dietrich and why he could actually add value offensively to the Yankees. I'm going to read this quick. Dietrich's bat is built for the Bronx. He's been a solid offensive player, nothing elite. But when you look at how he hits the ball, that's when things get interesting. He has a 42.7% pull percentage with a 39.7% fly ball percentage, which is higher than the MLB averages. The Yankees are hoping he's able to replicate the batted ball data of his 2019, where he put up every he put up very enticing batted ball data for Yankee Stadium. Minimum 300 plate appearances with a 48% fly ball percentage, which was 6th out of 273 candidates, and 48% pull percentage, 33 out of those candidates. That's for left-handed hitter in Yankee Stadium, that's a match made in heaven. He's right about that. But here's where the problem is. He has no chance at sticking on the roster because they need someone other than Glaber Torres to play a shortstop. And the only person currently on the roster to do that is Tyler Wade. So what are we even doing here with Derek Dietrich or insert name other than Tyler Wade? It's Tyler Wade's job because he's the only one who can do it. That's the thing. I don't know. Dietrich doesn't have a position, and that's that's a problem for him. Third base, second base, those those positions are essentially filled, and and there's no there's no problem there because we have multiple guys who can play them. Here's the thing, but with uh, potentially Dietrich, and I don't really see this as a as a plausible thing, but he could play the outfield as well. You know, maybe maybe he's competing for Mike Talk with Mike Talkman as a guy who can play. The problem with that is that Talkman can play all three positions very well in the outfield. And now you yeah. lose defense late in the game, potentially for this bat. So I agree that his bat could play if, if he hits his stride and hits the way uh, they think he might be able to hit at Yankee stadium. The problem is getting him opportunities at, at the bat and being able to fit him onto a roster when he does not have a defensive position. So it's not like he's a power guy where you can slot him in as a DH either. That's, that's a, a, a spot that's completely filled up. So yes, Tyler Wade is the shortstop up. that's behind Glaber, and the reason that is the case is because of his defense. And again, I will bring this up. You want a guy like Derek Dietrich in camp to potentially, you know, cause some uh, one who might take a minor league option also and be there, uh, it, you know, with the 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 alternate site uh, team or AAA when it starts up. That might be a thing. Or um, or are you bringing in another guy to compete with Tyler Wade, who's a defensive replacement? Who's a defensive, because you're not going to bring in an offensive guy. Like you want a guy in that spot who could come in late in the game and play defense or run the bases. So if that's the case, right, and you're looking at a prototype for the backup shortstop for for that reason and that reason only, do you get much better than Tyler Wade uh, defensively and um, on the base path? You don't. Uh, you don't get no, much better no, no. than him. Right. So I'm trying to find, I... I, I remember their talk about if Mike Talkman has huh, talk about Talkman 
has options. Uh, do you know off the top of your head if he has any options left? No, but off the top of my head, I would think not. I, and, and now that Brett Gardner is re-signed, I, I, I could see them trying to trade Mike Talkman since he's out of... Not that he's going to return anything decent, but he'll get some no-name double-A pitcher that they'll they'll have. So I, I, know, I really you know, just I so, brought that up as, a, as another option because that, you're looking around for options and seeing where Dietrich could potentially fit. That's potentially one of them, but I don't see it as a real option because I think they like Mike Talkman. And there, you know, there's Talkman's was uh, how does Mike Talkman fit on the roster with Brett Gardner? So so here's Talkman can play center field, Talkman can play right field, Talkman can play left field. I no, I understand all that. I'm saying, like, literally, how does he fit on the roster? If he's out of options and he won't accept a minor league assignment down to Scranton, how does he stay on this roster when you have to start the season with Gardner ahead of him? He's, the, he's got the fifth outfielder. Judge, but you can't, you're not going to carry five outfielders. Plus, plus Stan. I think they might. Like you're just, the, the, you think I so? I think they might. We've got, can, my, my computer is ancient. So can you quickly Google on Mike Talkman options? Because my computer is going to lock up if I try and do that. Um, because I, I don't know if he has an option left. And I think that's important to this conversation. Well, especially as it pertains to like Jay Bruce as well, because Jay Bruce has an opt out at the end of March. If he's not going to be guaranteed a major league roster spot, he can opt out of his Yankees contract. So that's another thing the Yankees might need to consider is that do we want to lose Jay Bruce or do we want to put him ahead of someone like Mike Talkman? And that's valid. That that that's a real thing because they are definitely competing for some uh, you know plate appearances and potentially a right or a left field. The difference with Talkman is he gives you flexibility in center. And I know that Gardner also does. He gives you flexibility in center field and multiple people could play a corner outfield spot. But, you know, Talkman is um, just a guy that does give the flexibility. And again, he he keeps, he keeps you know, leaning on the fact that he had an injured uh, shoulder last year, was not the, the type of offensive production that he's capable of and that the Yankees and Talkman believe that there's more there. So, I, I still believe that they they think he's a, um, a an offense a better offensive player than he showed last year because he was not he didn't he didn't follow up you, that one month. Do you know what do you know what Cashman and his nerds think Mike Talkman is? They think he's the outfield Gio Urshela. Yeah, probably. And, and they're they're banking on that happening. So you might be right. They're not going to give up on him, and they'll pass up on Jay Bruce, and they'll they'll try and move other players just to fit him on the roster. But I just don't see now that Gardner's back. All those outfield Talk, spots. Talkman's, and, and Talkman's I out of options. Okay, that's what I thought. But, I mean, injuries will happen, but what happens if everyone's healthy entering April 1st? You know what I mean? Then then what do you do? An injury might happen April 15th, but Talkman might be gone at that point. There's a real, there is a possibility they could trade him. I just, they're not getting much for him at this point. So, um, no, you're getting nothing yeah. for him. So, I, again, Derek Dietrich to me, like, it's, it's, a, it's a guy that has the potential to be a nice bat. Um, a compl- I wouldn't say a nice bat, a complimentary bat to what the lineup There's gives. a Derek Dietrich every spring. Every spring we have someone who lights it up in the first week and everyone freaks out over. So get, get, I, can I, we I get back of, to the shortstop thing real quick? Because this is the this is one that's definitely been, been a pain point for a lot of people. And I, and I think, and I, and I truly believe this, I think a lot of people just have their expectations in the wrong places. They're looking at all the wrong things for this position. This is not an offensive position. This is, on the roster, it's not an offensive position, right? Do you agree with that? Well, the, what are you talking about? Glaber Torres is an offensive player. No, the player. backup shortstop. Oh, duh. That's well, no backup no, player is an offensive no position. There's no duh about that. That's my point. Okay, let's drive that home, please. The fact is, the backup, uh, a backup infielder, a backup utility player. You're making player, your point while holding I a banana. I am holding a banana. I'm peeling a banana, I'm making a point, <laughs> and I'm like pointing it at you. <laughs> Listen, the backup shortstop or second baseman or potential outfielder because uh, Tyler Wade, and I, I'm sick of being on the line defending Tyler Wade. I really am. I'm really, really <laughs> over Five it. years in a row you've been doing it's, 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 it's exhausting. But I feel like everybody is still harping on the fact that he offensively sucks. Who cares? It just doesn't matter. I will tell you when it does matter. If Glaber Torres goes down, God forbid, knock on wood, with an injury, and now Tyler Wade is your everyday shortstop, that's a problem. And that's when they have to do something about that. I don't think that that would be the case for long. I think they would have to make a move in some in some capacity. 
But other than that, if he's just a backup, a late inning guy, a guy that's going to get a, a day here and there because of his defense, that's exactly what he is. That is exactly what Brendan Ryan or Hetcheveria or any of these guys that you would bring in to play backup shortstop, that's what they do. Tyler Wade Younger. Hetch was filthy. Tyler Wade Younger. Hetch was Tyler Wade's faster. Tyler Wade is all of these things as a backup player. That's that's what you want in that player. I don't care what he does offensively. I just don't. You're right about everything you just said. Uh, it's just Yankees fans, and and maybe I'm just simple, going to simplify this too much. Tyler Wade, Derek Dietrich, Jay Bruce, in all likelihood, Mike Talkman, in all likelihood, have 0% impact on if the Yankees win a championship in 2021. Those positions do not matter. If they're if it, if the Yankees winning a championship comes down to those guys, they're they're fucked. But you have to fill out a roster. You can't just say that about every player. Every there there have to be these. No, no. You have to players. fill out a roster. But we don't have to treat this like it's some major decision. No, it's whoever they fill out the roster with, they're going to fill out the roster with, and that position is going to be shuffled throughout the season because of injuries, because of guys going up and down, etc. But you also so have to we be, make a big deal about it because it's it's like the only thing to decide. That's on fine. Right now. But you also have to you have to also manage the 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 team throughout the year to get to that point. And a guy like Tyler Wade, who can play defense and run bases and play multiple positions, becomes valuable for for a manager who's trying to you know um, lessen some defensive innings on 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 players. You know that those outfield the outfield in Tampa is rough on the knees. We know this. Why not put Tyler Wade Tampa out there? Like a, he'll be like a gazelle flying through the flying through the uh, the Tampa humidity and and in and out of strobe lights in uh, in Tampa in the in the in the dome over there in the minor league hockey arena. It's fine. Like he can do that. He's good defensively. Does anybody have a problem with him defensively or running the bases? Please tell me if you do, because that's where his value lies. It's not offensively. No, but you know how Yankees fans' expectations is that there's an all-star at every position and every position on the bench. The the backup players have to hit 300. I mean, all we got to do is look at the construction of of the uh, the lineups in the mid-90s and when the Yankees had these teams that were good for a sustained amount of time. Those rosters were complementary. They had players that had a role. So, and they were able to is fulfill Tyler Wade those roles. Luis Soho? Or is Tyler Wade Luis Soho or is he Enrique Wilson? I feel like he's more Enrique Wilson, except Tyler Wade probably can't hit Pedro. Yeah, no, Enrique Wilson. That's disrespectful to his bat, and and the fact that their body types are so very different. Enrique Wilson and Luis Soho. <laughs> Enrique Wilson was Enrique thick. Wilson and Luis Soho are more alike than than Tyler Wade is with anybody. <clears throat> How about is Mike Talkman Ricky Lede? Yeah, I could see that a little Ricky Lede action. Uh, the bat's not Lede had a. Um, had a bat that everybody thought was going to be much better. Talkman's like, okay, the bat showed up. That's a surprise. Mike Talkman had a month where he was Mike. He was the best MT in baseball. He was better than he Mike was, Trout. He was much better than Mike Trout. So much better. Uh, shortly after, actually, before we get to Aaron Boone, uh, Gary Sanchez, uh, Aaron Judge said this about Gary Sanchez. Gary's a guy that can go out there and win the AL MVP. He's that dynamic and that important of a player to this team. On the surface of that, do you agree with that judgment? Yes, I do. That's why the frustration has been building for so long because he has that in him. Yes, absolutely. It's a true. It's a true yeah, statement. It's not. It's not far fetched either. Uh, Nick Costanzo on the website kind of took some shots at the New York Post because the New York Post wrote Gary Sanchez can win the AL MVP: colon, Aaron Judge. You know, the New York Post has definitely gotten clickbaity over the past couple of years, but they've had to compete with a lot of other media outlets that pop up and you know media is kind of just gone in in a in a it took a left turn when a lot of people probably didn't expect it to so i don't really blame the new york post for some clickbait but uh some what are um and we actually have a mailbag question about this later but for gary sanchez because like you said he's looked better in spring he's trimmed down a little bit marcus Timms was talking about how he's much more balanced at the plate in that last last season he was completely lost at the plate mechanically which Yes, when when that Mets pitcher threw him four straight fastballs, three straight fastballs down the middle of the plate, eventually he connected and hit one to the bleachers. But nine times out of ten, he was off balance, swinging, out, swinging, and and just totally, totally lost. He just so the the thing we talked about for Gary Sanchez. One, look, I I hope Gary Sanchez proves anybody who's ever said a negative thing about him wrong. I hope he goes on a freaking, uh, you know, war path about uh, revenge to, tour, revenge tour, trying to trying to just like shut everybody up. I, 
I would, I would gladly in, I, w- I will eat every word I've ever said about him. That said, all of the words have been based on frustration because we know what his talent is. We know what Gary Sanchez can be and has been. And the the frustrating about thing about him is that you know it's there and it just doesn't come out all the time, certainly not consistently. This, so far this spring, Gary Sanchez has looked great. He has, there's no doubt about it. And it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see him walking and talking with Corey Kluber and just like really just being engaged with uh, the pitching staff. Garrett Cole is throwing to him. That's, you know, that narrative has been, been silenced so far in this spring. He does look good at the plate. I said on Twitter the other day, um, a Gary Sanchez at bat where he takes a base hit going the opposite field tells me more about him than anything I I, I can see him launching 500 hit home, the, uh, yeah, 500 foot home. Better. Agree. He's on Pulling the ball. A 450 patient, foot home run to left field is not as impressive. It means he's, he's, yeah, he's on the ball. He's going the other way. He's going with the pitches. Like Marcus Tim saying, he's balanced. To me, these are all, um, these are all, you know, going the opposite field uh, base hit is a byproduct of feeling good at the plate, having good mechanics, all of these things. So yes, it's exciting. He's looked good defensively. He's throwing guys out. He just looks like he's, he's all there um, and, uh, and has that confidence. And I think a confident Gary Sanchez is, a, is what has been missing. You know, whether it's been nagged by injuries or a new catching style that was frustrating him, I don't know. Um, but we we talked to uh, the um, uh, Tanner, Tanner Swanson. Swanson, thank you, uh, Yankees catching coach. You getting old man brain. Dude, it's been there. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. The fact that he did enter a new system last year, wasn't totally comfortable with it. And them talking about... Tanner was talking about the fact that they, it doesn't have to be the exact system that he likes to teach with the, the one knee down. It just needs to be a consistent system where, where the catcher is receiving the ball in the same position on every, on every pitch where they're not shifting and changing around. Higish, uh, uh, Kyle Higashioka is a guy that sits deeper in his squat, but he's there. <laughs> just say Higgy. He's there uh, consistently. And where that comfort, comfort spot is for Gary Sanchez they just want him to be there consistently so that there's not as much going back and forth. That's fine. You're like, they need to find it. And there, and it seems like that's working. And if his mind is in the right place and he's confident, Gary Sanchez is electric and he very well could be a guy that carries this team and everybody else will feed off of him. You, you trying to say Higgy is like Rob Schneider trying to say hippopotamus in Big Dad. Hippopotamus? Hip, hip, I've said, hip, I've said Higgy's name like 15 different ways. H- Hig? Higgyasha? Higashiko? <laughs> This is the wrong Higashioka. emphasis on the isn't wrong it, isn't, it Higa, isn't it Higashioka? I don't, the fact that you're correcting me on I anything. always just say, I, I say Higgy. Because it's, like it's it's a good last name. It's a good nickname for a last name. Higgy. Easy. Boom. It is. But now I'm challenging myself to actually say it correctly. But who knows if I'm ever right. All right. Nah. Uh, so the, uh, here's the million dollar question. Who catches Garrett Cole opening day? It's Gary Sanchez. There's no doubt about it. The, the New York I Yankees agree. do it has not to be want Gary Higgy to be the catcher. They don't. They don't want that to happen. That's not an ideal situation. Nobody wants that. That, well, that might, position might just, Higgy it presented say, itself last year. Okay, so in a perfect scenario, uh, Garrett Cole makes about thirty to thirty-two starts this year. That's a full season. If Higgy catches half or eighteen of those thirty starts, I'm totally fine with it. But as long as Gary Sanchez is the catcher on opening day. To establish, he is our starting catcher. There is no personal catcher controversy going on here. We're starting off on this foot. I am totally cool with that. Good. That's what's going to happen. So, Good. Great. And uh, that decision comes down to Aaron Boone, who surprisingly had to take a medical leave of absence last week to have a heart procedure to receive a pacemaker. He had open heart surgery back in, what was it, 09? Yeah, it was 09, I think. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he's talked. He talked about how he was starting to feel very winded recently, and um, shortness of breath, dizziness, all of that kind of stuff. But he recovered very quickly, and he he was back at Yankees camp on Saturday. He did an interview with Meredith. I think it was during Friday's game, talking about how he felt good. He just he would have been back Friday. He just needed to pass the COVID tests. Yeah, it's. I mean, these are scary things. Obviously, everybody knows uh, my my history with uh, with heart conditions with my son Kemp, who who's you know, was born at Boston Children's, has had three open heart surgeries. This is something that's, that's, uh, I, I appreciate Boone's, um, 
you know, candidness in, in the, in what's, what he's feeling and like all that he's been talking about it, you know, really throughout the entire thing, which I, I do appreciate. I think it's important uh, for someone like that to, uh, to be talking about these things so that other people can recognize, you know, if it happens to them, but yeah, fatigue, shortness of breath, like all these things are, uh, you know, oxygen related, uh, heart related, going to the lungs and will cause fatigue, will cause uh, all of these, the things that he felt, the pacemakers just getting, you know, that heart back on rhythm, I think. Um, and, and just uh, allowing him to, uh, you know, his body to to act uh, like it's supposed to. So from from everything he said that, uh, you know, once the pacemaker was in, he feels even much better because now he's he's you know it's it's operating like it's supposed to, um, and and he just feels physically better as well. So it's great to see. It's it's awesome. It's it's amazing how fast like and how uh, unbelievably incredible modern medicine is where a guy goes in for a heart procedure, gets a pacemaker and is back in the dugout in like two and a half days, three days could have been there even sooner than that. So really happy to hear that Boone is, uh, is, is feeling better and, and doing well. And, um, seems like they're on top of, uh, whatever the issue was. So yeah, good to see that. Yeah. Boone, Boone probably got some good rest while he was on medical leave. How much sleep do you get at night? I try to get six hours of sleep. That's like my, that's like, uh, my wishful thinking these days, but sometimes I just get, try to get ripped out of bed. Kemp is, is consistently tapping on my head, waking me up as my alarm clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then this morning I was up at about five, five this morning with Harrison, just screaming. The kid is just always hungry nonstop. I, I, and it's like, I can't even really complain because Leanne's really the one responsible for the food source. So he's just attached to her at all times. But when he's wailing, crying, of course, I'm going to wake up. So we've been up since five. And some mornings, whether you have a screaming newborn or you have a three-year-old tapping on your forehead to wake up, put, come play with me, daddy. Uh, some mornings you wake up feeling ready to just pull the covers back over your head and go back to sleep. No judgments, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. And if you don't love your sheets, why? Why don't you love your sheets? They're so important. Your bed and your sheets, your pillowcases, your pillows, those are important. You spend, what is it, a third of your life in bed? Make sure you've got some comfortable sheets. Brooklinen has you covered for comfortable sheets. They have a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. So they are confident you will love their products. They even offer a 360 day, 365 day money back guarantee. You could sleep on these sheets for a year and get your money back. I mean, that not return the sheets because then who's going to want to use those sheets? That's a different. That's like, that's like returning after a, year. a library book after it's gone into the bathroom. You don't do that. That's just you get flagged <laughs> for that type of stuff. No, Brooklyn and sheets. You have 50,000 five-star reviews. You are legit. No, for real. Like that's, that's in that, that is where the proof is. It's in the reviews. It's always in the reviews. So, um, I appreciate them. The Brooklyn and sheets are definitely like no shit. The most comfortable sheets I've ever laid on. And yes, when Kemp is coming to tap me on the head or Bevan on the head at 6am, we're trying to buy another half hour in our bed so that we can sleep and not get out of bed. Uh, You're like, Kemp, look, feel the softness of the sheet. Don't you want to go lay back in your yeah, bed? Go, yeah, exactly. And he, that's why we're, we, we, we kick him out, go back to read, play animals and do things in his bed so that we can get some more time. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code Bronx. You get $25 off when you spend a hundred bucks or more. Plus you get free shipping. That's brooklinen.com and enter promo code Bronx to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus that's free shipping, brooklinen.com and use promo code Bronx at checkout. Last episode, we talked about how Aaron Hicks was going to be batting third in the lineup. That was Aaron Boone's comments. And uh, we got some traction on, on Twitter and Instagram because people mainly agree with our point that it just doesn't make sense for Hicks to be batting third. Like if you want to bat him leadoff, cool, because his best quality is getting on base. And then you put guys who are a little bit more likely to put bat on ball like DJ LeMahieu in back of guys who are getting on base. But it, there's this fascination with breaking up the lineup, and uh, it, it seems like Boone is definitely dead set on doing that, and he thinks that means Hicks should be batting third. And then I also fear that Gardner's going to be hitting a little bit higher than he should when he's in the lineup. I know he hit a grand slam the other day, and it seems like old man strength is just a beautiful thing for Brett Gardner because... He, you know what, whatever forearm workout Brett Gardner and Joe Girardi do, I need to start doing because they, those two plus Matt Holiday, do they, is that like an elite, is that the Mount Rushmore of, of forearms? forearms? Joe Girardi's, I think sits on top of that thing. I mean, Girardi, Girardi's veins. Massive. I mean, you're, you're did you see him the other yeah, day yeah. in that Philly blowout? He's just like 
bulging, <laughs> glistening in the sun. He is a, a specimen. Look, that's how you get old. He's like the, the they show Joe Girardi on all the uh, the old man videos on how you want to get old. The look, all you need is a Gabe Kapler's. All you one. need is a is a is a stick, a rope, and a weight or a rock if you want a heavy rock, and just churn that thing up and down and just keep going. That is uh that is the, the or one of those like you know one of those squeezing uh, squeezing things. I'm doing the squeezing thing on my uh, with my hand. That's a um, a big deal. Look, I, the the fact that Brett Gardner hit that bomb, I love it. I love seeing old man strength in action. It makes me happy. It makes me root for guys who are older and should not be doing the things that they're doing. I love that. I do. Um, so yes, we know Brett uh, Brett Boone, Aaron Boone's affinity of you know splitting up the right handed bats, getting the left handed bat in there to to give them that look, to give them that different option um, in a game. So. We're going to see it. There's no doubt. Brett Gardner is not on this team to just sit there and do nothing. He's going to be playing against right-handed bats and or right-handed pitching. But when I I do want him to see playing time when there is a good matchup. Like that's a good thing for us to be able to to see that. It, it depends on who he's sitting for. It depends on when they're sitting for a a star player. And if it's again, if it's a Clint Frazier, like doing that every single time, a right-handed pitcher is in, it's going to frustrate me because I want Frazier to get well, every day at bat. 80% of the league is right-handed or whatever it is. So that, that means Frazier doesn't get much playing time. No, I get some tough, uh, tough, tough righties though. Like I, I want to see him get a good amount of playing time against um, even, even the guys that he has bad numbers about because the only way he's going to get through there that should is, be no platooning. This is not a platoon. It's not a platoon. Okay. Brett Gardner should be there to give guys days off, not platoon. There's a difference. There is a difference. And what do you see actually happening? I see it being more of a platoon because Boone loves his veterans and he loves his, he loves Gardner and, and he's going to get more playing time than he deserves. Probably. I put out a Twitter poll. Where should Aaron Hicks bat in the Yankees lineup? The options were the three spot lead off nine spot or bottom half somewhere lead off one with 31% bottom half somewhere was 30.5%. The three spot got the least amount of votes, 18%. And then the nine spot got 20% of the votes. I, I would vote lead off for nine spot because that's where I think his talents are best served getting on base. Then if he's lead off and he walks, I mean, that's, that's as good as just get on base. You, the, then you have DJ to get the hit, judge to get the hit, Stanton to hit the home run, Voigt to hit the home run, whatever it is. I just cannot fathom a world where I want Aaron Hicks batting three ahead of Voight and Stanton. He should not be getting more at-bats in the middle of the lineup than Stanton and Voight. He just shouldn't. Yeah, I, this is one of those, those debates that's not much of a debate when you talk to anybody. Any fan, anybody on who's on social media when you're having conversations about this, it just doesn't seem like it's that big of a, a, a debate. It seems like most people are against having Aaron Hicks in that three spot. And for all the reasons you said, the guy's on-base percentage is high. That's where his value is. His value is an on-base percentage. It's not the batting average. It's not the, um, I mean, he's got decent production, but that production plays in those different spots when you can get on base or, you know, uh, when you're making contact and you have a little bit more power. He's not a three hitter. He's just not. He's not that type of guy. If you're setting yourself up to get him on base as a three hitter ahead of two guys that are, potentially on base in um, in uh, LeMahieu and Judge, you're just setting yourself up for like more of the big hitters. I don't understand that logic because now you're just clogging base paths. You're, you're, you're creating situations that, you know, you, if, if he's, uh, if he's striking out or if he's hitting a fly ball rather than walking, you're just, you're not moving runners. It's just not a great fit for me. So lead off to me, well, I, I think is a the- great fit. I think Aaron Hicks, who has a high walk percentage, who can look at a lot of pitches, is a great spot for, for leadoff. Do I think DJ LeMay is a bad leadoff hitter? Hell no, absolutely not. But I think he's even better That's suited in the number two spot because once Aaron Hicks walks and gets on base for whatever reason, now we got LeMayhew on there to move him around because guess what DJ LeMayhew does? He goes opposite field base hits a lot. Guess what Aaron Hicks could do? He could go first to third, no issues. Now we're talking about real baseball here. Talking about baseball, where we're talking about moving. I'm getting excited baseball. about moving uh, guys going going from from one station to another station, and God forbid taking two bases on a base hit. Now you have an opportunity for a guy 
uh, Aaron Judge in the three spot, uh, and then uh, Stanton in the four spot, Glaber, Voigt, whomever's behind him, a fly ball gets a run in. Long ball obviously does the trick. A ball in the gap might score two. You have the ability to now actually have real base runners on, the ability and potential to take extra bases on the base path, and it just gives you more flexibility and more action and more opportunities to score. I don't. I think it's he's being unused, yeah. not used well in that three spot. Exactly. You're not. You're not using his skill set to the best of. Let me ask you a question. In the best situation. when Aaron, and this is to me one of the biggest determining factors here. When Aaron Hicks walks up to the plate, is his motivating factor, which is which is his uh, number one motivating factor, to one have a good at bat, work the count. Or to uh, do damage, which is which is the which is his first thought when he walks into it. What's his what's his approach? His approach is take pitches until the pitcher inevitably walks me. So I don't understand how you can have a number three hitter as as the guy who's looking to be patient, looking to work the count, uh, and not number one trying to impact the ball as 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 much as humanly possible. I don't know how you have that guy in the three spot. It doesn't make sense to me. Another thing with Aaron Hicks is that he's turned, especially when he hits left-handed, which he does most of the time because most of the pitchers are right-handed, he's a dead pull hitter. So he he is also beaten by the shift countless times. Like you can look at his advanced metrics and, and some of the nerds will look at his advanced metrics. Uh, Sean, who used to do the stuff for um, George's Box, he's a huge Hicks fan, talks about how his exit velocity is top of the league and he's getting unlucky. I go back to this. When you hit a ball 110 miles an hour directly to the second baseman playing short right field, that's not unlucky. That's the defense playing where they know you're going to hit it. That's just what it is. So Aaron Hicks gets beaten by the shift. That's why his batting average is 225. Yeah, he might hit the ball hard, but he doesn't get hits. So what good does it do you? So do you think that the fact that he's batting in the third spot and uh, you know, potentially two guys on in front of him, that it takes away some of that shifting and, and maybe that's part of the logic where... Maybe some of those no, base hits because teams teams are, have ignored that. You, I mean, the shift the shift percentage in the league is up and up and up every year. They, I mean, they shift on. Didn't Tyler Wade get shifted on? Don't say that. Like everyone gets shifted on, no matter what situation it is. It does not it was matter. Infield in. <laughs> Everybody everyone, in. Everyone was everyone playing bunt depth. The center fielder came in to play it. This guy's trash. A, everyone a in. Up. Fourth infield, fifth infielder. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I'm hoping it's short-lived and that they eventually realize Hicks is not suited for the three spot because, again, assuming Luke Voigt is for real, who led the league in home runs last year, and assuming John Carlos Stanton is healthy, he's one of the best offensive players in the league. I would hope Boone realizes I got to get those guys up more often than Hicks, no matter the, the lefty-ready platoon kind of thing. Um, we have a couple mailbag questions, uh, but before that, I just want to quickly read this comment from Garrett Cole. He was asked about the new baseballs for 2021, the D-Juice baseballs. Cole said, quote, I haven't come across anything strikingly weird, which is new. I'm finding them comfortable. I'm finding that the grip is consistent. So the fact that he has not come across anything strikingly new, or strikingly weird is a new thing, which blows my mind. Because that means he was routinely picking up a baseball over the past couple years and being like, huh. This is that different. feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. So that does that make you does that make you happy that the uh that the balls in Garrett Cole's hands feel good? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that makes you happy. I I, I think consistency should be the incon there was too much inconsistency in the baseballs over the past couple of years, and that's why we saw the spike in home run numbers and and uh, if there's more consistency now, and I think if that leads to a slight decrease in home runs, meaning Brett Gardner is no longer hitting 28 home runs, he's back to hitting nine home runs, then I'm totally cool with that. I think that's where baseball should be. Well, there you go. So, uh, you know, if, if Garrett Cole, I, I feel like Garrett Cole is honest about these things, you know, talking about uh, the, the construction of the baseball, how he, you know, he's very much in tune with one, his mechanics, his body, how the ball feels in his hands, how it's coming off of his hands. So I, I trust, I trust him. I'm, I'm interested to think that, you know, as the season goes on, if that question is asked, if he feels the same way as well later, later in the year, if uh, anything changes at all, if he has a different opinion based on, you know, what's, what's happening production wise. So it'll be interesting to monitor that, but, and it'll also be interesting to see how many deep fly balls are caught at the track and not going out, you know, checking those, uh, those launch angle 
percent, the, just the different metrics that, that measure the uh, launch angle and uh, seeing how home runs are trending in the season-wide uh, totals. I forget if we talked about this or if I was talking about this with uh, Neil Keefe on his show, but do you think you've watched enough baseball over the years to know like when you're watching on TV what's a home run and what's not a home run when the guy hits it? Like you can generally get a sense, right? Yeah. Do you agree I with that? I get fooled on TV sometimes as well. The crack of the bat, I've it, depends never, on, it depends on the, where the mics are and all that because the crack of the bat yeah. certainly can uh, fool you. I've never been fooled as much as I have over the past couple of years. Yeah, we talked about this. You were that, you were very much yeah, fooled we, we when we were at this. the, uh, which game was that? Of, um, was it the ALDS? 2019? I don't know. But 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 the, my point is that I, I want to know, uh, not all the time, because obviously you, you can get it off the handle or off the end of the bat and you don't necessarily know that. But I just, too often there would be a fly ball and I'm like, oh, that's going to be, you know, maybe two steps in front of the warning track, no problem. And then it ends up being six rows deep. And I'm just like, huh, that just is not how I've been trained over the past 30 years. And that, that was, it was annoying me. Well, I'm sorry that it was one annoying. You. Hopefully no longer, no longer being annoyed unless you hit one of those, you know, San Diego moist squalls or whatever the hell they're called that come in from the ocean. <laughs> All right. So the last week we did our first locker room, which was uh, a lot of fun. And we're going to do another one on Saturday afternoon during the Yankee spring training game. So locker room is an app. Uh, check out the show notes. There's a link to download it. It uh, you basically it's a sports audio platform where you join rooms and you can be we can bring you on as a speaker and you can ask questions. You can give your take. We talked about the game. We talked about big league advance a bunch, which we're going to get to in a second. Uh, we had a there was a Braves fan who called in who actually was not bitter about the the 90s Yankees owning the Braves, which I found refreshing. But he also uh, was very, um, he, he said baseball is better when the Yankees are good. And I thought like, huh, that's an interesting outsider's perspective. Is it because he likes to hate the Yankees? Is it because the, uh, the, the Yankees? He said it was more, it's more interesting when the Yankees are there because there's more juice. There's more juice. So people want to take them out. That's, that's the, uh, the motivation yeah. there. Oh, of right. course. I mean, the, yeah, but okay. That's the, that's the cross you bear when you're the New York Yankees. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I like having people coming at you. Like that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. You know, building rivalries, having some, uh, you know, in, anticipation for a series, there's uh, you know, that the juices flow, you get the rivalries going, you get a little bit more, um, just a little more action in those games. You you want hurt feelings. I think hurt feelings are good for sports or potential hurt feelings so at least. Definitely join our our next locker room. I, I promise not to fumble around with the app for ten minutes, but uh, join it Saturday afternoon. It was a lot of fun, and um, we will be posting hopefully that audio um, of of the Saturday afternoon locker room uh, at some point. All right. So this mailbag question is from Dennis Robert. Hey guys, I was listening recently about Fernando Tatis and Big League Advance. I found a good article titled "The Republic Moneyball: Tatis Took Cash as a Prospect, Owes Part of Fortune." Here's some stats and a summary of the article. In 2016, Big League Advance invested $26 million in 77 total players. Of those players, 64 were not in the top 300 prospects. So they're targeting guys who are not highly ranked. 45 of them made the major leagues. The average player got $350,000 in advance for about 10% of future earnings made. Those numbers became public when catcher... Francisco Mejia, who at the time was in the Cleveland organization, sued Big League Advance. Uh, he said that they they preyed on his financial literacy, and he since walked those comments back. Um, but that's how those numbers became public. In total, Big League Advance has 344 players, including 20 signed in the last two months. The majority are not on 40-man rosters. And then Dennis goes on to say, I don't know how I feel about this. It sounds a little exploitation-ish. Tatis received a 700,000 signing bonus. He says he needed it to invest in training, quality food, and housing. The other side of the story is how successful this company has been at predicting talent. Tatis was not a top 50 prospect when they signed him. Big League Advance is looking to expand into other sports, and they have a sister company called Jambos Analytics, leading pr predictive sports analytics to predict outcomes of sporting events and prop bets associated with sports. The first round of MLB funding was $26 million. The second round of funding, which includes current play players, was $130 million. It's all interesting stuff. 
I want to see if this gets too popular and MLB will have to put restrictions on it and how other leagues will handle it. And then we found an article from 2018 on SI.com talking about Michael Schwimmer, who is the owner and founder of Big League Advance. He he kind of looks like a like a knockoff Seth Rogen. <laughs> like a like a like a really nerdy knockoff Seth Rogen. Um the article spoke of him pretty highly, actually. Um, although the big league advance, as we've talked about on the locker room and how we talked about a couple weeks ago, does have a lot a lot of negative press around it, mainly from that Mejia lawsuit. But the article positions Schwimmer as the good guy in the sense that he cares about he was a baseball player. He came up through the minor league system. He had a brief stint in the majors. He was a pitcher. He talks about how he really wants to fight for minor leaguers' rights, to earn a minimum wage, have a union, and and have better quality of life because the fact of the matter is these guys don't. And I think that is – Big League Advance is a product of minor leaguers not having a good enough quality of life when they're coming up through the system. Not everyone signs a $2 million signing bonus out of the draft. Some guys get $20,000 and they have to make that last for five years. And that's just not plausible. So here's my question. And, and I, this, this may not really uh, deter many people and what they think or how they feel about it, but it might also. The, the motivation behind it is clearly, as he states, to help the minor league players. He also says it's to it's to make money while he, while helping okay. minor league players. He understands he's treated this like a venture. Yes, capital he understands thing. that there's a very That's low percentage um, win per, uh, win total, right? Like the the win, winning these deals is uh, there's a, a small percentage of that happening. You play the you're odds. investing in unicorn companies. Yes, you're playing the odds. It's penny stocks. You're playing the odds of 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 hitting one to two of them, and that offsets and actually makes it worth it when you're investing in hundred or 50 or whatever it is. So he's yep. playing a numbers game. He's got an analytics company behind it to, to kind of play that numbers game with it. He's playing a venture capital game. That's exactly what he's doing. It's, it's interesting because it, it, when you talk about it and you think about it and you see it on the surface, it feels skeezy. It feels like boiler room type shit. Um, yep. But then at the end of the day, you also look at like how it impacts the players, take away the profit loss from it, from, a um, from the company perspective and you're looking at it just a player the players are gaining quality of life in the in the early days of of baseball which in fact could could help them develop could help their career uh proceed in a way mm-hmm. that would not be the case if they didn't have the ability or access to training or you know better food or you know whatever it may be like there are things that the article that could be talked about how some of these the article talked about how some of these players are renting one bedroom apartments with five other guys and they're basically just sleeping on on twin mattresses and stuff like that. If you get $300,000, well, guess what? You can get your own apartment and you can actually have good quality of life. And maybe you're going to be a better baseball player. That's the truth. That's the truth. Maybe you're not living uh, in a funeral home. You know, there's there's opportunities potentially where you're you're creating a better quality. You could get better sleep. Get some. You're able to get some Brooklyn and sheets and you get some Brooklyn damn and sheets. sleep. And you're able to he's wake up two hundred thousand dollars on Brooklyn and sheets. You're able to wake up in the morning and you're you're feeling refreshed. And now you're you know attacking the baseball rather than looking at a baseball in the three spot. There's a lot of things that can happen here that that make you a better player. And opportunity is created sometimes by money and having the ability to spend some money on these nice things, the 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 better trainers, the better uh, facilities, the better sheets. Then yes, you might be a better baseball player. So it depends on how you're looking so, at this. You can look at this in skeezy ways, yeah. for sure. You can absolutely angle well, this there's as like some a, skeeziness. a boiler room type thing. Well, here's also, this This kind of rubbed me the, a, a little bit. So the article said, at first, Big League Advance made no effort to publicize itself. Schwimmer said he preferred to operate out of the spotlight. It's it's things like that that make me like question, okay, what are you really doing? Maybe he understands what the public perception will be, and he's just like, eh. I'm just going to hang out. But this was before the the Mejia lawsuit. And then he said the reputation he cares about is building the company for minor leaguers. There's a lot of people that have a really bad view of big league advance based off the false complaint that Francisco Mejia filed. And it's really been hard to change their minds on that. 
But the argument for big league advance is this. Major League Baseball contends that minor league baseball is not a long-term career, that players are engaged in a seasonal apprenticeship that will either end in a major league career or the player pursuing other work. In March of 2018, with the passage of the Save America's Pastime Act, baseball received federal statutory protection to pay minor leaguers based on a 40-hour work week, regardless of how much time the players actually devote to baseball activities, which means that after taxes and clubhouse dues, what players chip in for team needs and payment into clubhouse attendance, many players will continue to clear less than $1,000 a month in season while only while working 10-plus-hour days in a $10 billion business. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. And, and this guy believes that he can help the help the problem and make some do- make some dollars at the same time and if that's the case who's getting hurt who's getting hurt right no, no it, it, that's that's right and i think when we initially google i know when i initially google big league advance there were this negative coverage on it and it might have stemmed from the mejia lawsuit the other very interesting angle to all of this is this predictive analytics portion of the business which is how he's been able to identify Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's also part had of nothing, the had big nothing had nothing to do with. I mean, uh, or like, hey, who who who's who was a really good major league player who had a kid? Because I'm going to go invest yes. in them. But uh, <laughs> but he's been able. They've been able to build an analytics company that has pretty successfully predicted players' success rate and players' injury risk. Uh, There was a quote at the end of the article for a fee of $150,000, his firm would provide injury forecasts for 75 pitchers, 50 professional, 25 amateur two of the organization's choosing. So they went and pitched every or not every, I think it was 20 major league baseball franchises on this analytics. One team offered him $5 million to work exclusively with them. He turned it down. Quote, he said, why would I take 5 million when I know I'm going to make 10 or 20 million two years from now? So he's still banking on himself, thinking this this predictive model is going to pay off for him. I could not find anything at this point in 2021 that says it has paid off for him. He did nail a couple players, the article said. He was wrong on a couple players, as the article highlighted. Uh, he put Chris Sale injury risk at, I think, a 9%, which is low. Which is crazy. <laughs> but, Just look uh, at him. So, Just look at him. The eye test tells you that that guy's going to get hurt at some point soon. Nothing is... It's There's a, nothing natural about that that uh, that motion. It it really is amazing how he he took a failed major league career and turned it into. He obviously had an interest in data analytics and was able to build a model to to build a business. It's pretty fascinating. I'm still a little bit uneasy on how I totally feel about this. Um, because Mejia did say they preyed on his financial illiteracy, he did walk those comments back. I don't know if they do. I don't know what goes on in those in those pitch meetings or not. If they are preying on financial illiteracy to um, Latin American players or other players who are not as fortunate to come out of the draft with million-dollar signing bonuses, then shame on them. But if they're not doing that and everything's up front and they lay this out clearly and and there's nothing gray about it, then I see no problem with this. I agree. I agree. I think that, that you're going to, the problem with him is that, that you're probably going to have some cases where, where someone doesn't hit their stride and feels exploited and then we'll get negative press around it. And, um, even whether it's valid or not, it's, it's, you're just, you're fighting a, uh, he's playing in murky waters and he'll always be playing there probably. So it's, yeah, he's got to just understand that. If you don't make the majors, you don't pay back. Only guys who make the majors have to pay back and and really only players they only make the company only makes money on guys who hit arbitration because that's when they start getting millions of dollars. Yeah. Sounds like a it sounds like a good deal on the surface. Usually things that are a good deal. There's a snake somewhere, but <laughs> so far, so far it's it's checking out a little bit. I'm gonna do some more research and see if we can't find that snake at some point because it's probably there. We're just not maybe, maybe not seeing it. He's good at covering it up. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's not like snakes on a plane. You open up the overhead bin and there's just an anaconda in there. Hopefully maybe it's just a garden snake. Okay. It's interesting that you took it there, but okay. Little Samuel L. Jackson. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. Oh. Are you afraid of snakes? I don't particularly like them. I've, I've, uh, I've taken care of a few of them outside of my house. What? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant like. No, no, no. I didn't care for snakes. No, no, no. no. There will not be one. (laughs) 
There was a there was a snake in my fraternity house in college, and it got loose, and it was yeah, what it was is a boa, it? and it was in the walls. Oh, uh, what a f- fucking psychopath to have a snake as a pet. My one of my closest friends lived in San Francisco, and one of his roommates had a snake, and and whenever I would stay with him, I would be uneasy. I was like, that snake gets out, I'm out of here. Yeah, I don't. What if you're sleeping and you don't know it gets out, and then you just wake That's up and thing. it's wrapped they'll around you. you? Yeah, they'll eat you. That and cats, they'll just feast on you. They won't eat you. They'll just squeeze you to death. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, We're chugging along, getting closer to opening day. As we get closer, we're going to be doing some more episodes. We have our, always we'll do our around the AL East previews and and things of that nature. Uh, Continue to submit your mailbag questions. Anything else you want to mention? No, I just want to continue to see Gary Sanchez feel good, look good, hit, hit good, feel good. Not feel good, feel good. Do all the things, all the all the good things. I want to see him uh, be in a good headspace because it would be exciting to watch him. Uh, a confident Gary Sanchez in 2021 would be fun to watch. So I hope we get to see it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.